another episode of The Roof Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for rice sports news and analysis. Uh, thanks for everybody for sticking with us so far through the extended off-season interview series, um, as we will discuss here shortly, that there's an increasing chance that it's going to be a very, very, very extended off-season. But um, yeah, if, you, if you've been sticking with us so far, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your, your podcast platform of choice. We, choice we'd certainly appreciate that. Um, you can follow the site at, at The Roost on Twitter or on various social media. And then there's a feed for the podcast at The Roost Pod. Just have a couple of other housekeeping things to do before we uh, get to our guest here. I was about to say, and, and, and I'll add, if you stuck with us so far, it, there's no sense in jumping off now. If anything, you, you should have become more attached. We should be gaining traction as the offseason prolongs. <laughs> yeah, you're in too deep now. Like, if, you, if you've come this far, like, there's no reason to quit. Like, we just... Yeah, I got, I got some, in. some comments on Twitter from the, uh, the Marvel uh, movie draft that we did with Christian Covington this week. Someone replied to it. So if you're catching up, you have time. So we'll get to that in, in a little bit. Um, but first, I want to hit on, a, like Carter said, a couple housekeeping things. I offered a copy of the preview of your choice, Conference USA or Rice, if you left a review for the podcast. So the uh, the winner of that giveaway on iTunes, MCUNN7. I don't even know how to get that pronunciation or abbreviation. So whatever it is, uh, go ahead and contact us. You can find us, uh, as Carter said, on Twitter. You can send an email to podcast at, at theroost.com any way that you could find us. Come grab us, and uh, I will make sure that you get a hand on that. And then with that, the preview, we're going to hit on what is happening with the college football season uh, as we know it. But uh, I will still add that the uh, the teams are the same and the players are the same. And when or where the game's happening or if they do happen or not, we, we're not sure. But um, if you do want to support us and you still want to learn about these teams, whether or not we know <laughs> what's going on, you can go ahead and, and go find those at theroost.com slash shop. Five bucks for Conference USA. The rice one's a little bit more expensive. It's $12.99, but it's got a lot more in there. It's got a breakdown. Uh, there are 110 players on the roster currently, and I have mentioned every single player in that preview so i i will admit the fifth string left guard has a shorter <laughs> section than the quarterbacks but if you want to know who could be the fifth string left guard i have you covered and that's got to mean something uh, i can assure you all that there's a whole section for fullbacks in there for those of you that are that are the big time fullback fans there's two um, pages yeah who else has two pages on fullbacks and also, you get to find out which uh, incoming freshman can ride a unicycle, which we will not spoil for you here. So uh, you this know. is this is really good. I will I will add on that that I, I sent out um, uh, one of the uh, the fun things about this is I've gotten to know the incoming freshman uh, and I guess transfers really well as you know this process has evolved. So I've got to learn little quirks about them along the way. I was told that one of the incoming freshmen could could ride a unicycle in i guess january or february and at that point i wasn't sure how it was going to work that in 
to the preview, but I said, this is going in the preview. Like, this is more important than any statistic yeah. that I could give. There's there's unicycles. So we also have, uh, what, hot food takes and favorite movies, movies they've seen way too many times, just to get to know the incomers. And there's there's football, some football in there, too, 160 pages worth of football. Which, and I don't know if you, you saw this, Carter, but uh, uh, Greg Tepper of, of Day Campbell's Texas Football, who they do a fantastic job uh, over there. We had Shahan on the podcast earlier during our extended off season, but he said, uh, these uh, psychopaths that, that wrote <laughs> this, I have no choice but to support the people who share my illness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did see that. And I was like, well, I, I think that's the most complimentary way i've ever been referred to as a psychopath so go ahead at the roost.com slash shop pick those up support us and my delusion of football all right and we are here with jared kalmas from underdog dynasty how you doing man hey i'm doing great thanks for having me guys appreciate it just a typical day in college football is that right uh, it, it's got a d-day feel to it i would say <laughs> Yeah, for, for those of you who have, have noticed before, we, we typically record on Thursdays, and we are now. And, if, uh, you know, if, you, if you're listening to this on Saturday when we release it, uh, you can think back two days. And, uh, well, I mean, this, new, this news might be outdated by Saturday. So, <laughs> so, so we might be discussing stuff that, that's, uh, you know, drops in the pond compared to what comes out tomorrow or early Saturday. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's been a bit of news today, I guess you could say. Yeah, so we'll we'll start up up top, and 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 Jared, I'm I'm interested to get to get your thoughts on this uh, as somebody who uh, I know you cover UTSA, but you cover a, a lot of of G5 football just in, in general. So the Ivy League comes out on Wednesday, and they release a statement that I'm just going to quote: "It will not be possible for Ivy League teams to participate in intercollegiate athletic competition prior to the end of the fall semester." So the Ivy League cancels football, and then just a running you know, jump of, of what we've had since that. And that was that was five o'clock roughly uh, on Wednesday. Since then, the Big Ten has said they're not playing non-conference games. And the ACC is, I guess, reportedly considering. And I right. yeah. yeah, I don't I think it was uh, reported and then no, just kidding. And then I think the Pac-12 is also in the same boat of it's going to happen, but not official. So if that's the case, 10 of the 14 teams in Conference USA uh, do not have 12 game schedules. And we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So could you please peer into your crystal ball and uh, tell me all you know about um, college football? And uh, I guess just initially, kind of what's your take on on the news that came out today? I, you know, I, I guess going back a few months ago, I was like, there's going to be no season. There's no way this is going to work. You know, the logistics involved, the travel, you know, the elderly coaches, TV contracts, all, just, there's so many factors. And if a couple things go wrong, it's going to snowball, right? But then I thought about it some more and I was like, people are going to lose their jobs if they don't get these players on the field to play their games. So people are going to find a way to justify it, even if it's maybe not morally the right thing to do. Um, so I was kind of in that camp for a while. And then once the Ivy League came out and made their announcement, I, I thought that it was going to kick off quite the domino effect. Uh, because if you think back to the college basketball season, exact same thing happened, right? It was conference tournament time. Ivy League shut down their tournament. 
And then people are like, oh, you know, that's the Ivy League being dramatic or whatever, you know, or they care more about academics and athletics, you know, no big deal. But then within two or three days, I mean, everything had just complete, come to a complete screeching halt. And the next thing you know, the entire NCAA basketball tournament is canceled. I mean, no one could fathom that would be the case just two or three weeks before it happened, right? So I think we could see a similar effect here, um, which nobody wants to see, but if we look back on that, that short history, I, I know it feels like a lifetime ago. It's only been a couple of months now, but uh, right. that's the way I see it going down is there's going to be this trickle down effect where more conferences say, oh, we're not doing at a conference or we're not going to travel at a state. And then I think eventually it's just getting up with uh, we're pushing the season to the spring, hopefully, and then we go from there. Have you yeah, seen what? Well, my reaction to it was that, and Matt, I know you saw when I tweeted about this, but it definitely felt like that brief period of time where they had announced that they were going to have the NCAA tournament, but not have any fans for it. Mm-hmm. And and seeing conferences come out and be like, oh, we're still going to play, but it's just going to be conference games. Uh, had that exact same feel to it to me. Like Agreed. Yeah. It's like holding on to a small glimmer of hope that we know is not realistic because, I mean, COVID doesn't care if, if you're playing UNT or you're playing Louisiana Monroe. I mean, it's the same distance from Houston, either of them, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, and it's crazy. I was going to add you the, uh, the popular Twitter trends, uh, I guess, before, you know, the sports world exploded uh, on, on Thursday was uh, describe X as boring as possible. Right. Yeah. Have y'all yeah. seen this? And so yeah. I uh, one of them was describe your favorite movie as, as boring as possible. And, and and someone had replied with man hits alarm clock over and over again, hoping something else will happen. <laughs> uh, and yep, that hits him. Which is a classic. I, I love Groundhog Day. But I, I when the Ivy Leagues make their announcements and I started reading the reactions that everyone was posting uh, on one side of the fence or the other, I went back and I looked. And so I actually, back in March, on, on March 10th, the Ivy League made their decision. And so at, at that point, I just started chronicling and making a bullet point list. I'm like, okay, at 10 o'clock, the Ivy League canceled this. At, you know, at 11.30, this got canceled. At 12.45, mm-hmm. this got canceled. And uh, scrolling through, so that was at, at, at uh, 10.19, the Ivy League canceled its tournament on March 10th. And then you scroll forward at 8.31 p.m. The next day, less than 48 hours, Rudy Gobert tests positive and the NBA shuts that down. That was a huge moment. Yep. Like, and I, I was just like, for that, me was, personally, that was a day. <laughs> yeah, for me, Gobert, like, coming out and, you know, coughing on the mic and then revealing he tested positive and then seeing the players, like, clear off the court when the news came down that he was COVID positive. Like, for me, that was the moment where it started to impact my personal life. Like, it's silly to say that about a sports game, but that was, like, a very visceral moment that you could see with your own eyes, whether, you know, you're in person or not. But it's different than just reading a news article, right? It's pretty distant from you uh, in your day-to-day. But, you know, a hobby that you enjoy to see it actually get impacted by this thing was, like, my first moment where I was like, oh, wow, like, this is going to change my life and everyone around me as well. I think it was that, and then the the it was the I, Carter. You you follow the NBA probably closer than I. It was the Oklahoma City Thunder game that got canceled before tip off, and they had the uh, announcer that broadcast going through the stadium saying, "You are all safe. The game has been canceled. Please leave in an orderly fashion." 
I'm like, there's nothing more terrifying than an announcer. Yeah. Coming out. Please yeah. leave in an orderly It'd be fashion. okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember that one, but like, I, like, I, I very much remember that night. Like, I was out at Pluckers, like, doing trivia with some friends, and <laughs> we were like watching the TV as they made that announcement. And like, you know, that was like 8.30 on Wednesday, March 11th. And, you know, within a week, like, basically the whole country was starting to shut down. So, like, that definitely in my head is kind of the watershed moment where everything changed, not just for sports, but for, like, the whole country, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wonder if, you know, obviously some of those big societal impacts have kind of already have you know they're they're here already but i wonder if we're going to look back at the end of this week you know at least in terms of its impact on sports in kind of the same way as like kind of the you know the point where any remaining optimism kind of kind of fell off the shelf you know Mm -hmm. yeah for me personally i i started seeing the year 2020 as a total wash back in like april so for me like i've just been playing with house money like hoping that maybe there's a college football season uh, but I was mentally prepared for this to happen, so I don't think I'm going to spiral as hard as I might have if it would happen earlier in the year. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing that, you know, not since, like, January you hadn't uh, been taking ca- copious notes and putting together a a, a conference <laughs> preview that you launched this this week. <laughs> now, to be fair, you, you, you have been covering college, writing college football this whole time, so I'll give you, I'll give you credit for that. No, no, no more on the level of you, my friend. Well, it's it's one of those doomsday, and you you've been here too, right? Where you're like you're writing about the UTSA, you know, defensive line situation and how that's going to change, you know, shifting from four three to three four, knowing in the back of your head that like, just I might just have to hit delete by the time this is over. Which is, and I and I think it's it's worth noting, and I want to make the, the the distinction here that I I've seen a lot of these cancellation the reaction to the, the cancellations that have come out today and and so far that's uh, mostly fcs um i've seen like naia uh, d2 lower schools uh, up to this point that have canceled games even even seasons but today's cancellations for non-conference games for the power conferences or, or some of them really all that can be achieved at, at this point uh, at least this is this is my perception y'all can tell me if i'm wrong is is that you're buying a month of time um, that you're you're not going to be any safer, and I think Carter and I were were kicking this around. Well, well, I know we were. I was a part of the conversation before we started recording. Um, but like, it's it's funny that you know we're talking about the ACC not playing non-conference opponents. So you know, South Carolina and Clemson aren't going to play for the first time in in a hundred years. But South Carolina and A and M can play. Mm-hmm going from South Carolina. So it's not about the geographic proximity. It's everyone getting their last ditch effort that say, maybe if we have one more month. Yeah. And I think for me too, is that's getting the athletic directors and, you know, all the, the power brokers involved in college football, some cover to say, Hey, you know, we're trying to be safe. We're trying to protect our student athletes. But I mean, like we said earlier, I mean, there, there's very little logical sense for this approach that would actually make the game safer to play. I mean, like, yeah, in theory, it, is it safer to play nine games or eight games than 12 games? I mean, technically, yes, because right. you have yeah. less contacts, you have less, mm-hmm. if you're going to have fans at all, there's less of that. But um, it's like, 
I don't know, it's like plugging a leak in the side of the Titanic, you know? Like, mm-hmm. okay, we're sinking uh, slightly more slowly now, but it feels like one of those moves where you just kind of get to say you're doing something. Exactly. And it's not, you know, the, the ultimate calculus of that final decision hasn't really been changed by this. Mm-hmm. I think that everyone's just preparing and, you know, if if you're not mentally prepared for this, maybe you will be by the time, you know, this, this releases or, or you'll get there soon enough. It's preparing everybody for the fact that there might not be a football season this fall. It's it's not quite as, as drastic as the Ivies coming out and saying we're done. But like we said, like we thought that decision was crazy for like 30 hours. And then all of a sudden, not not so crazy anymore. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really curious to see if teams will try to throw together some type of rogue uh, barnstormer type of season, right? Where it's just like oh, whatever schools that so want to play, just call each other up. Because that's how it was like during World War II, right? Like teams would yeah. be like, all right, we've got 50 guys. We're going to pack up two vans and we're going to drive eight hours and, you know, pick up a game this week. Um, so that, I, I think that could happen, right? Like and there were so Liberty many teams. and Auburn playing each other or something like that. <laughs> there were so many teams that popped up at the, like, the various, like, military academies that were there. <laughs> just for, So, like, you look at all these teams, it's like, oh, uh, you know, Georgia is winless all time against Iowa pre-flight? <laughs> <laughs> And then you look at the roster, like thirteen guys went onto the NFL. <laughs> and it's it's so so it's funny because remember, like this has been like the roller coaster of all roller coasters when it comes to sports, right? Because we got to March and we're like, the world is ending. We'll never play sports again. Not twenty twenty, not twenty twenty one, maybe twenty twenty two. Like, and then we got to end of April and we're like, oh, we can do this. Kids can go back to campus. And so <laughs> somewhere in that that April stage of like, we we just doom and gloom i had i had somebody tell me that there were discussions going around um among fbs coaches and conferences that you know regional scheduling that was that was the hot bucket hot button uh, you know topic in, in march april that regionally scheduling might might happen and and they were putting together i think i, I wrote something about the possibility of like you know if if you know like because rice is supposed to open the season against army like what at that point you know new york was like you know, you, you can't, can't go, you can't, can't travel, you can't do anything. Oh. And so like, OK, we'll just play a Texas only league and, you know, putting, you know, Texas A&M and, and UTSA and UTEP and SMU and, you know, throw in Sam Houston, whoever you want into into one localized conference and, and keeping that. No, that yeah. I mean, if, if we could birth that somehow, that could go from like the worst college football news ever to one of like the most memorable seasons of my lifetime. One of the things that has gotten me through this year is like trying to pick out the good changes that have come because of coronavirus. Uh, like, for instance, so many pe- more people are able to work from home now or maybe not work remote 100 percent of the time, but at least have a flexible schedule. Right. I mean, that's a great improvement for society. If people that can work from home have the capability and ability to do so, take better care of their family, you know, spend less money commuting, less pollution, things like that. Uh, so to give that same perspective to college football, I mean, the game has gotten out of control. Like the spending, the travel, you know, the neglect of rivalries, all that stuff. It, it's been thrown out the window the past 20 years chasing TV money. So if somehow we have this regional scheduling of games and it's a huge hit with the fans, I think that could be a moment where the the foundation of college football returns, right? Where it's, it's a very regional game. 
Uh, fans travel to away games. There's these really rich rivalries. Every game means something. Um, even if both teams are out of the standings, at least you know, like, oh, like I work with people or I have family members that went to that school, so I have a personal attachment to the game. When UTSA flies to Miami and plays FIU, I mean, I've never met an FIU alumni in my life, so that game means very little to me personally. So that's what I'm holding out hope for. I'm uh, kind of pessimistic. It'll turn out that way, but that would be a great improvement to college football, especially the G5 level. I think you're right, and I mean, it's not like, especially especially at the G5 level when the, when the TV money is not big and it gets threatened, like... Mm-hmm. Um, like the fact that you know, so when I when I when I launched the Roos, um, I guess this is going into to year three, um, and and just kind of getting up to speed on all things Rice. I was like, what do you mean Rice doesn't play Houston every year? Yeah, I'm like they do most years, but like, like what? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it's, all a, our it's an eight-minute ride. To the American. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Which, don't get me wrong. I'd love to jump ship to the American. That would be great. But, uh, you know, if, if we can get like even the simple things like because like you said, like, I mean, the non-conference schedule for, for Rice has its stands or the non-conference, the, the Eastern Division schedule uh, is Marshall and and Middle Tennessee mm-hmm. and two places you can apply to. This is true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, 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 I like you said, like other than like the fact that like Rice, you know, probably could have maybe beaten Marshall last year and beat Middle Tennessee. So those are winnable games. Like it's not great. But at the same at the same, you know, measure, it's not like, you know, driving out to UTEP is is any easier. Sure. Can we just lop them into the Mountain West? <laughs> I think that's where yeah. they'd like to be. Is this how, for is basketball this how reasons. we finally get the uh the combined uh Sun Belt Conference. Yes, USA Conference. that's the dream. Absolutely, or the, or the where they they stay in two leagues, but they actually arrange themselves in a logical geographical manner. Mm-hmm. Like this is, we're like, setting up for the great reckoning of G five football. <laughs> is that like why are UAB, South Alabama, and Troy not all in the same oh, conference? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What sense does that make? Why are why are Lafayette and ULM and uh, Louisiana Tech not all in the same conference. Like, it just... None of it makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. No, it doesn't. And maybe maybe you're right. If we, And that's a good a good injection of, of some positivity into... Oh, man, I feel like we're, we're probably... We're not even... We're in the thick of it. <laughs> um, I want to get out of it. But but maybe that's a, a good good reminder. And, you know, if there is... You know, there, there's, and we had um, through uh, going through our our off season in, interview se- series, um, had had folks on from all over Conference USA, and you know, we were talking about you know like Southern Miss and and Rice baseball, um, like there's some great affinity there, so there are some relationships in, in Conference USA that like um this is great, uh, but there's a lot of it that's just like the like it's 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 it, I think it's telling when a middle of the week Tuesday night baseball game in college station will, will draw more rice fans than, you know, a, a weekend Friday night game against, uh, I don't know, pick, you know, pick Western Kentucky. Yeah. It was, I mean, and, and I, I've said this before, like I said, I said it a couple weeks ago, but like 
you know, the way I feel as a as a Rice alum and, and particularly one who was on campus before the the recent rounds of realignment, like the teams I enjoy seeing Rice play, the 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 teams I hate, the teams I care about, the teams that I would get real satisfaction from beating aren't UTSA and UTEP and, and North Texas, even though those are like the, you know, closest geographical conference mates. It's it's SMU, it's Houston, it's Tulsa, it's it's Tulane, it's it's Memphis. It's, the, it's these teams that we had at least some measure of shared history with, um, even though Rice hadn't actually been in CUSA all that all, all that long before then. But um, it just feels like we've we've gotten to this point where Conference USA in particular is just sort of cobbled together from teams that didn't have a home elsewhere and it's it's really hard to have any sense of any sense of attachment to the conference as a brand when it's just kind of the leftovers you know and so Mm -hmm. there's no question leftovers that keep beating miami (laughs) (laughs) i want want that asterisk Maybe I know, maybe I, that can be our shared conference pride. <laughs> yeah, I saw a Florida State fan tweet like, Man, "Miami wants no part of a regional schedule this year because they're going to lose to FAU and FIU." <laughs> but yeah, I hear you. I mean, e- even to go to the FCS level, like I truly think that you know playing Sam Houston State and SFA probably draws more fans to the Alamo Dome than playing Middle Tennessee or you know even FAU. I mean, they don't have large fan bases. Some of them will travel to San Antonio just for, you know, the, the river walk and all that stuff. But, I mean, there's there's some of those personal connections. There's not a shared history. You know, UTSA was in the Southland with those schools for, I don't know, 15 years, maybe 20 years, something like that. So, I mean, there's value to that, right? And while their teams might not be on the caliber of those FBS schools, that's just because they have less scholarships to work with. I mean... I really believe if you gave St. Houston State the number of scholarships that, you know, a, a Marshall gets or someone like that, I mean, they could easily um, be competitive with, with any team in Conference USA. Well, let's let's take it a, a, a level deeper. I know we've, we've hit on, like, Sam Houston and, and folks like that, but, like, if you're telling me, like, you know, the only way to make our, our, our salvaged season is to, you know, you got to draw a, a perimeter around your school and you can't travel more than, I don't know, call it, 300 miles or whatever it is um like you're telling me that you know a&m commerce and rice wouldn't produce like a very highly anticipated game mm-hmm. like david bailiff bringing him back yeah. to the south main uh against the the current regime like i'm gonna watch rice games anyways that, that's yeah. my job but <laughs> yeah no, here I mean, you. think about the very first game of the Mike Bloomgren era at Rice. It was against Prairie View, and that was a better visiting crowd than Rice has probably had it, <laughs> what, 70, 80%? That was a good crowd. 70, 80% of, of Conference USA games that have been at Rice Stadium since then? Yeah, so we, we have solved it. I will, any administrators <laughs> that would like to, uh, you know, w- w- this is our consulting firm. We'll do it very, very cheap, cheaper than whatever you're paying for. Um, I promise. We figured <laughs> it out, and I do, and I do want to get um, while we're while we're on on the the broader football picture as a whole, 
and, and we're living in the world of hypotheticals because that's all we can do at this moment. Um, just want to throw this out, out to you guys. If, you know, we come to January or March or the spring of some point and we've gotten to a point for with the the health realities of of this situation become manageable to the point where we can play college football um, and you get the all clear, you know, from spring break, like March 10th onward, you can go fit in an eight to nine to whatever, however many you want it season. Uh, what, what are one or two, maybe three things that you want to see from a spring football season if we get there? You were the czar of college football and can do as you wish, which, man, it would be nice to have one of those right now. But Right. That's a good question. I really think the only way you could do that, especially if it's starting that late, and see, that's where you run into the problem here, is if you're going to have a real spring football season, like something approximating a normal season, you have to start it like in January or something to fit it in. And, and what is the likelihood that, you know, that's going to be feasible by January. But like, if you start a season in March, uh, I mean, what are you going to be done? Like if it's short, let's say you finish in the middle of May. Well, now you've got three and a half months till the next regular season is supposed again. And you're expecting these kids to turn around and play a full football season mm-hmm. after that like mm-hmm. if someone tears their acl during a uh you know an april game they're out for the next season too um so just from a wear and tear standpoint like i don't know i'm really iffy about the idea of you know even assuming you can work out all the logistics like i've seen people question it's you know it's like our team's going to be able our university is going to be able to handle like you know football basketball baseball all these things the full spring schedule of sports plus football on top of that, even if you solve all those logistical issues, like just from a player health standpoint, you know, from the regular player health, player health concerns of football, is that going to be realistic? I think if you're going to do it, you would have to do something like the, you know, the kind of regional stuff we're talking about as a potential model for the fall. Like it would have, it wouldn't be a real season. It would be kind of a, you know, let's do something for the fans, something for the players where they can get these games for people to enjoy, where you're playing a couple teams from, you know, within a certain 200, 300 mile radius to make it easier on everybody. And you play, I don't know, I'm not sure what's feasible, like four or five games, maybe. Um, But the idea of anything approaching a full or normal season happening, um, especially starting later in the spring, is... Uh, that feels like fool's gold to me at this point. Yeah, so I, I guess the one thing I would like to see if a spring season does happen, whether it's conference games or a regional schedule or what, um, I, I think every player should get an automatic red shirt. I don't think they should use a year of their eligibility. I mean, not only are they putting their bodies on the line to possibly contract a virus, playing a game they're not going to get paid in, uh, but it's also not fair for those players to use a year of eligibility if they're only going to play five or six games, right? Because uh, we also have to accept that even if a season does happen, flare-ups are going to happen, games are going to be canceled, teams are going to have their entire quarterback room all get sick with COVID and all sit out. So it's just going to be such a crapshoot of a year. It, it seems unfair to me that those kids should you know, suffer the same eligibility consequences of kids who get to play 13, 14 game seasons. 
Yeah, and I was I was talking with a, a, a coach about that this week. I'm like, you know, whether you play in the fall or, or spring, like what what happens when your O line room, uh, you know, somebody gets it and uh, it, it can't happen. And he's like, well, I I guess you put the tight ends at, at tackle, <laughs> your fullbacks become your guards, and Point your six long football. snappers your center. <laughs> yeah, I'll say the uh, the change that I would make um, if I were a college football czar. Um, and sorry, you know, New Hampshire, I'm, this is not intended for you. You'll have to figure it out. Um, I would, I would do away and say there is no spring season, but there is a state championship. We'll do this just like high school football, <laughs> a loss in your out. You seed, we'll go with all the FBS teams in Texas and maybe add an FCS if they're willing. Um, you seed them by budget. So, you know, one, two, Texas, Texas A&M, you know, three. So that way you're getting sort of, you know, like a March Madness seating where the mm-hmm. more talented, more wealthier teams are at the top. And you seed those one through, you know, 12 or 14 or however many want to play. And you play a whatever that works out being like a four week, you know, tournament. You sell the TV on that. Everyone doesn't have to play a full season. You get in football of some sort that doesn't last forever and you could market the crap out of it. Who's in? I, I could definitely see the Dairy Queen logo getting slapped on that. Maybe Whataburger. <laughs> That's what oh, yeah. I about Texas. <laughs> like, can you imagine just like the kids at, I don't like TCU. Like, they, Gary Patterson is, is a magician. Like, TCU runs off and gets it, and they print letter jackets. With 2020 Texas State champs. <laughs> Although I, I think, no, like, forget the seedings, like, uh, do a random draw. Like, I don't care if Texas and A&M get matched up in the first <laughs> round. Like, tough luck for them. Right. <laughs> or you could go one one loss record from last year, too. That would work. Yeah, no, I think that's probably hey, the longest active winning streak. Gentlemen, your Rice Owls will be the number one seed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was racking let's, my brain. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's let's base it in uh in number of wins in the final three regular season <laughs> games of 2019. <laughs> I have very specific criteria here. Do not ask me the reasons. For, yeah. for health purposes. Or, you know, maybe you, you truncate it down and you play, uh, you know, three team pods. You send those up to a championship game or a semifinal or whatever. I don't I don't know. But, man, I'm going I'm, to be honest. It comes back to, you know, the, the lack of natural rivalries and, and, and Conference USA, um, some bell, what have you. Like, if you're telling me that I could I could only get four Rice football games this year, but they're going to be against, you know, Sam Houston State, North Texas, Baylor and Texas. I would yes, I would I would much rather have those four games at the potential of maybe twelve, but also zero. Yeah, I'd probably take that deal right now. I'll take whatever I can get. So we'll see. We so um, in lieu of that imaginary scenario, maybe maybe we get there. Maybe you know someone comes up and hears this podcast and wants to put us in charge of the sport. I, I will take that. I'm I'm. Working from home, so you know I'm good with whatever. <laughs> um, we do want to uh, hit on as at, at the moment. There's still a thought that there could be some football. So we did have a couple UTSA 
um, related questions that we wanted to get to you um, on, on the way out. Um, and uh, I guess the, the first one is, so as I've been thinking through this pandemic situation, uh, one of my, my driving thoughts, and especially putting together this preview, was uh, thank goodness this is not Mike Bloomgren's first year at Rice. Oh, this yeah. would be a That's... terrible year to have a new head coach. So from one of the two programs that has a new head coach hired, uh, I guess, on the cusp of a pandemic, what's it been like <laughs> for uh, for Jeff Trailer and his first, you know, memorable months at, at UTSA? Yeah, I mean, every, every interview I've done this offseason or just any conversation I've had with anyone about how UTSA is going to work this year, that's the exact talking point I've went off with, man. I mean, all, what awful look for Coach Trailer. I mean, he's already behind the eight ball coming into the school, first-time head coach, at least at the collegiate level. Um, and then to get this served up to you, I mean, it doesn't get any more unfortunate than that. Um, and, you know, we actually had a uh, Zoom call with Coach Trailer on, on our Element of Audible podcast. And uh, he was totally upfront about it. He's like, this is not a situation you would ever draw up for yourself. And like, he, he's like, I know it sucks. It's going to be difficult. I mean, there's, there's nothing to make excuses or sugarcoated. But, I mean, to not have a spring to implement uh, your system, especially when they're moving to a new offense and a new defensive scheme. I mean, you can't even identify what talent you have on the roster, really. I mean, all you can do is watch last year's film. Um, and then also, I mean, the fact of motivating the guys too, like if you've never taken to the field with them, even just for practice, it's hard to have guys, uh, committed in the weight room and taking care of their bodies and stuff like that. So that's a huge uphill battle for sure. And, you know, selfishly, uh, me and my friends have been saying, well, I mean, it'd be good for you to say if this season gets canceled, right? You get everyone back, you know, extra year under their belt, uh, get right in the weight room and, you know, spend more time, you know, digitally learning the system. Um, and then that would actually give you to say maybe a leg up over other schools. So it's it's really strange. But uh, Coach Trailer seems to be you know bracing and facing it head on and not shying away from the challenge. So I guess that's all you can really ask for. Yeah, I think it's been interesting. Is that's one wrinkle that I don't know if that's been been publicized as much. But the NCAA for all of their um, uh, you know insert word of your choice. Um, one of the changes that's been made to the the calendar and and I guess what's permissible so far uh, is normally before incoming recruits uh, get to campus the the contact is you know pretty pretty limited but but they've been able to to join into you know Zoom calls and talk shop and go over playbook and have you know virtual mm-hmm. meetings um, which you know in in a typical March that's not something that gets to happen so I guess that that's a, a leg up. For uh, the new Roadrunners, but yeah, like you mentioned, only partially so. Mm-hmm. And 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 with those new players coming in, you also have um, a, a new defensive coordinator, and that's right. part of the challenge. So, uh, do your defensive players know what position they're going to be playing when there's a football game next time? <laughs> you know, they updated the roster um, a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, how did they determine who's going to be put at what position, right? Uh, but yeah, there were some guys that were defensive ends last year that moved to linebacker, be like edge rushers. Uh, there were some defensive ends that moved down to be defensive tackles. So um, I, I guess to a certain extent, I mean, there's no doubt that guys are going to move around once they actually get reps on the field. But it seems like there's been some shuffling already, even before they've gotten any snaps in. Is this like, you know, and, and I love I love college baseball like to death, but if you pull up a college baseball roster online, they list the positions as pitcher, infielder, and outfielder. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And yep, definitely going to be some utility guys, especially on the defensive sphere. And like, you got to go read into the news and like pull up a like a lineup card and say, "Oh, this guy plays left field." Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll find that. It'll it'll certainly be interesting. And and along with the 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 changes and and the new guys uh, coming in, what uh, clarify? I know some teams got. Uh, a practice or a couple, and did UTSA get any? Nada. Nada. Zero. Zero. You know, that's really not I don't even great, know if man. they weighed in. You know, that's tough. Oh, man. But of, of the new guys uh, coming in, uh, I guess with starting with the, the, the 20 class uh, so far, um, one or two guys in particular that you're really itching to see once once you do get football again? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I think Josh Atkins is going to have a pretty good chance to maybe win out the starting quarterback spot. I, I think he'll probably slide in at QB2. I'm assuming Frank Harris stays healthy. Uh, but he's a, a San Antonio native. Um, was pretty lightly recruited out of high school, but well-respected. And uh, he was a multi-year starter in New Mexico State. So, you know, he's seen a lot of snaps at the huge level. Uh, technically, he'll be the most experienced quarterback on the roster. Um, so, you know, I think that he's going to add a level of competition in the quarterback room and, and give UTSA more quarterback depth than they've had in, oh gosh, I don't know, five or six years probably. So that's definitely one I'm looking forward to. Interesting. Um, let's see. There was a freshman tight end that signed that was actually UTSA's highest recruit ever. Is I think Alan Horace Horace, Allen. Is that right? Alan Horace. I always get the two names backwards. He's got two, two, first names. two last names, right? Two last names, actually. Last names, right? Well, I don't know. Allen is first name. So the opposite of Georgia name. quarterbacks, which always have two <laughs> first names. Yeah. Or Wait, our name I mean, Jake. I feel like Horace could be a first name if like, you were born in 1800. True. <laughs> like after well, watching Hamilton like a couple times, oh, no. like, there could definitely be a Horace. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't know what I was getting myself into with the Hamilton jokes tonight, guys. <laughs> but uh, no, I think well, it's... Who's this is giving play? me ideas for canceled season content, though. I just, I just need to come up with the cast and songs of a college football-related <laughs> musical. This is perfect. All right, we're talking offline. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> but Alan Horace, the, the football player. But yeah, man. I mean, his film was super impressive. UTSA doesn't really have a um, like a passing game threat at tight end right now. They've got a couple of good blockers, uh, but no one that you could really trust to go get that first down through the air when needed. Um, so I think Horace could be that type of guy. I mean, he's physically built to play immediately. Um, and UTSA wants to play several tight ends. I mean, if you go back and look at, um, obviously, uh, Arkansas, they used a lot of tight ends. They had a couple of guys go to the league. And uh, even going back to when Coach Trailer uh, was a high school coach, I mean, he always loved to utilize his tight ends. So it was a huge gain for UTSA. I mean, he might be the most gifted tight end in the conference right now. I mean, I know there's a couple of guys who are decent, but... Uh, he definitely has the potential in two or three years to be a guy who could be the focal point of the offense at tight end, kind of like how uh, Harrison Bryant was at FAU for a couple of years. It's a good company to keep. And I, and I think it's interesting with, with, with Trailer coming in, and you kind of uh, alluded to the, the, the tight end usage. He t- kind of tends, has a little bit more of that smash mouth than... Uh, you know, I feel like a lot of, of coaches, especially for time coaches being being hired out in the high school ranks today is a, a lot more wide open spread. We're going to see a little bit more of a kind of a, a rice model. Uh, are we going to have a, a fullback on the field at times, possibly? <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. I don't think I would compare what they want to do to what Rice is doing. Like, 
Definitely not going to be, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust type offense. Uh, there are two fullbacks on the roster, but neither of them were, you know, recruited athletes. Um, so who knows? I mean, I think they're definitely going to use like the age back position as a lead blocker. I do think that they're going to be run first. I mean, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Sincere McCormick, who was um, Conference USA all freshman team last year. Uh, he's he's definitely going to be the primary ball carrier and uh, probably gain the most yards of anyone on that offense. But I mean, from the sounds of it, they want to spread it out. You know, they want to distribute the ball. They, they're adding speed. I mean, if you look at the guys that are recruiting, um, it's just pretty much speed to speed across the board. Uh, Frank Wilson really liked big body receivers. Um, so there's not a lot of speed on the roster right now. And that was like the first thing that I could tell that Trader was targeting was just more speed on the edge. But, you know, again, anytime a new coach comes in, they're going to say the same thing. We're going to throw the ball down the field. We want to play fast. <laughs> we want to play with tempo. I mean, I, I've been heard this music many times. <laughs> exactly. You know how it goes, right? Um, but at least that's what they've been telling everyone, right? Is, is they want to be that high, high offense and, and maybe not play like an Oregon type of pace, but uh, they definitely want to pick it up from where UTSA was last year. And, and let me guess, the defense wants to to play aggressive, be aggressive, and, and get <laughs> after the quarterback. Of course. Unfortunately, we didn't get to the part where the, you know the new strength coach comes in in June and really gets That's everybody up to speed. We don't know what the old guy was doing, but yeah, this new guy's changing yeah. everything. Well, it's like when baseball players show to spring training every year. They say, "Oh, so and so is in the best shape of their life." Pablo Sandoval in the best shape of their life. No, he's not. Come on, okay, weighs like two hundred ninety pounds. Come on. Or when the uh, the the NBA players post the videos of themselves like working out at empty gyms. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the. <laughs> Like, come on, Dwight. We know you can't hit your free throws. Stop kidding us. <laughs> and now, I, I I will say, since you you brought up sincere McCormick, um, he is Loki probably. If if I have a a favorite, not star, but is going to be a star in, in Conference USA, I really do think, uh, at least outside of Rice, uh, I'll say it, it's sincere McCormick. I, I I found a stat that um um, it was Shahan Jaharaja from from. Uh, Dave Campbell's actually, I think he put it out on, on Twitter, but I, I pulled it into uh, my notes for the UTSA portion of the preview. Um, UTSA last year when S- Sincere McCormick had the ball in his hands, averaged 5.9 yards per play with anybody else touching the football, 4.8 yards per play. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the offense is 20% better or whatever that number is. It's a Rice yeah. podcast. I probably uh, should have been. a freshman. Yeah. yeah. In oh. his first season. <laughs> yeah, come on. You guys are supposed to be smart ones. Come on. Hey, I, but, did not, uh, I did not. Sorry, I zoned out. What were the numbers? I can, I can do this. <laughs> I, I swear I remember math. Give me the numbers. <laughs> Carry the one. <laughs> I, I don't even, I'm trying to remember the Pythagorean theorem right now. It's coming to blank. This is good. We didn't tell you to be quizzing, quizzing you on proofs. That's next week if we have no football. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, I will say as I was going through and, 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 I, and with the, the preview, I would, I wanted so hard to find a way to put McCormick on, on the first team offense and, and I, and I couldn't, um, but I wanted to, and, uh, he's a guy that, I mean, I mean, y- you watched him closer than I did that, I mean, is it insane for me to be thinking this guy could be the, the best, one of the top two running backs in, in conference USA next year? Uh, no, especially Brendan Knox leaving. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's too crazy. I mean, he's going to need some help for sure. Um, UTSA lost both of their starting tackles, which I, I think I, I mentioned to you guys. Uh, 
uh, when I was helping out with the magazine preview. So, I mean, that's going to be key right there that, you know, they can have that pressure on the edge so he can bounce out and get the yardage. But, um, I mean, I think he definitely has a skill for it. There's no doubt if he's two inches taller, he's playing at A&M this season instead of UTSA. I mean, I zero down in my mind. Um, he's the first running back I think UTSA's ever had that can turn, you know, three yards of space into a touchdown. So, I mean, he's he certainly has a natural ability for it. Um, I, I guess my concern is just that the offense around him might be a little bit anemic, and maybe he gets, you know, kind of uh, pounded into the ground too often and, you know, doesn't realize his full potential. But I, I think he's certainly capable of being that kind of player. Yeah, so this is this is the, the DeBraylin Carroll comp for, for, yeah, for Rice fans listening. You mm-hmm. just go watch him play, and this guy was a, a star defensive MVP for uh, one of the best defenses in, in Texas high school football history in, in Duncanville and got passed over because he was short. Oh, yeah, yeah like, this is this is the defensive tackle you're talking yeah, about, right? Yeah, defensive tackle. Yeah. Oh, got yeah, he was thir- awesome last team, year. Yep. Yeah, third-team uh, pro football f- focus, uh, mm-hmm. all freshmen, mm-hmm. and uh, played as a rotation player behind Miles Adams that's now with the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, he's starting this year, no doubt. And yeah, it's not so, like you can say that that he would have gotten overlooked because I mean, Duncanville guys are getting recruited by like Alabama and Oklahoma and yeah, that's Texas. the thing. Like he, he didn't come from a small a small like I can understand small program, but like this guy was the defensive MVP for Duncanville, and they sent guys to Power Five conferences all over, over the nation. Mm-hmm. But it's very much so like that. When I, when I watch McCormick, I'm sitting there watching him. Even last year, I'm like, just third down, tackle him. <laughs> he doesn't go down. And I'm just like, so, yes, I, I selfishly, I'm going to be very excited whenever we get get football back, watching DeBray and Carroll make uh, people up in College Station in Austin kick themselves. And like, yeah. woohoo, maybe he's not tall enough to go be a, you know, five-time All-Pro Super Bowl champion. Like, he still could be. I'm not rolling that out, but, like, for either of them. But, like, he's he's a pretty good football player. I mean, Aaron Donald is, like, under, under six feet tall, and Debrano Carroll is not Aaron Donald. But, like, <laughs> if you can be the best defensive tackle in, NBA, in NFL history, you know, under six feet tall, you can be a productive NFL defensive tackle being under six feet tall. Hey, I did ask a Rice coach when, when he was being, when he was signed, I said, now that you have him in the boat, like, what's your comp? Like, who does this guy remind you of? And he said, well, I'm not going to call him Aaron Donald. I'm like, bup, <laughs> no bup, 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 bup. <laughs> he didn't. He, like, he, he caught, you know, with a caveat that, like, obviously right. he's not. But, right. like, the game and the way he plays. And I'm like, I mean, if you give me 10% of Aaron Donald, like, at the conference, yeah. you would say level. This That's is, like, how all, all, like, undersized power forwards, small ball centers in the NBA draft are now the next Draymond Green. <laughs> every uh, every sub six foot defensive tackle is now Aaron Donald. I mean, I'm okay with that. <laughs> what, what, what do you say, Jared? We'll give you, uh, you know, Conference USA Offensive Player of the Year for the next two years for McCormick if you give us Defensive Player for uh, DeBraylin Carroll. UT State's been so god awful on offense for the past four years of my life. I would make that trade in a heartbeat. <laughs> if I see another ten to seven final score in a UTSA game, I might just end it all, guys. I can't take much more. <laughs> I've got to see some points on board this year. You would you would take like a a forty four forty one shootout loss to to UTEP? Yes, absolutely. Look, UTSA lost to UTEP in like five overtimes one year and it was a brutal loss but that was the most fun i've had watching a game in so long (laughs) so i'll take it 
Yeah, after uh, in in the middle of last season, after uh, it, it felt like Rice had about four straight games at one point where they they, they lost twenty to six. They were all twenty to six or twenty to seven. Uh, when they when they went to Murfreesboro and put up like twenty eight points in the first half, I was like, "What do I do with my hands? I don't yeah. know what's happening." I'm hoping I have that moment this year from the Tuesday offense, but I guess that remains to be seen. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's you know not at Rice Stadium, you know, score all the points you want. For sure. No? And uh, and I and I will say as we kind of we'll, we'll we'll wrap you up and we'll send you out with uh, it's it's been interesting. We've been doing a, a lightning round with all of our contestants, um, where oh we promise to uh, hold their answers. Yeah, I guess we could have prepped you beforehand, but it's more fun this way. <laughs> um, Everything you say can and, and will be held against you uh, in perpetuity forever until we play another <laughs> football game or after the fact. Um, but it's been fun. And maybe you you will have a couple of these questions uh, might be a little bit uh, dated uh, because of what's happened. But uh, are you prepared? I guess as prepared as I'll ever be. All right. Well, we'll close out. Um, no, no hourglass, but uh, first thing that comes to your mind, um, and I'll toss you up with a, a softball in light of the current news. Uh, will the 2020 football season start on time in Conference USA? No. Uh, will there be fans in the stands? No. All right. Those are the easy ones. Okay. Maybe a little bit more challenging. Who's going to lead the team in touchdowns for UTSA whenever a football season is played? Next. Frank Harris, not McCormick. No. All right. Who leads the team in sacks? Lorenzo Dantzler. I like that. He's he's another guy. Sneaky good. Sneaky good. Yeah, for sure. All right. Put that on his uh his uh back of his jersey. Sneaky good. <laughs> uh, and then if UTSA, just to be objective, if UTSA does not win Conference USA West this year, who will? UAB. All right, and then on the conference as a whole, the uh, Conference USA is UAB or somebody from the East. Who's your pick for conference champion? I'm going to write with UAB again. They're bringing back a lot. Yeah, a lot of people keep saying UAB. Maybe yeah. Bill Clark knows what he's doing. It, it's Eventually, the someone will try too. to butter us up and say Rice, right? Eventually. I mean, Adrian brought us from UTEP. He didn't even say Rice. We gave him an out. All right, next question. Rice and UTSA, are they in the same conference in 2025? That's yes. five years from now. Yes. 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 Resounding confidence? Yes, for sure. Excited I, confidence? Begrudged yes, confidence? Yes. Because I, I truly believe a, a regional reckoning is coming at some point, and these Texas teams are going to stick together. Yeah, so not necessarily Conference USA as we see it today. Maybe not. I, maybe I not. buy that. Yeah. All right, then uh, last question. Um, taking into effect um, seasons that have games that result in bowl eligibility. So maybe <laughs> maybe 2020 is is out of the sure. window. Um, but uh, over under two and a half full seasons until UTSA is going back to a bowl game. I'll take the under. Really? Assuming that this year is a wash, right? So then maybe like, Full 2021 season, full 2022 season. I could see it. Sincere McCormick is a junior, senior. Pretty stable, the quarterback position for once. Good recruiting the past couple of years. And, I mean, it's Conference USA, guys. I mean, it shouldn't be that hard. (laughs) This is a fair question. (laughs) 
Yeah, really? It's, it's not like this is a particularly stable conference in terms no. of like, who's good at any given time. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's interesting because for I'd say the the latest iteration, it's been pretty safe to kind of assume like the past five or six years, we've kind of been able to identify a handful of teams that are probably not going to be competing for the conference title in a given year. But the remaining like eight or nine. Sure. I mean, UIB was supposed to be rebuilding last year, right? All right. Well, that that's all we have for you. So you ended up you you had the uh, the uh, the knowledge of, of, you know, what is in light of the current football season. So you, you get a, ste- a step up, made it a little bit easier for you. But, you know, we um, I, we certainly hope you're right. And for your sake, UTSA is going bowling and Frank Harris is throwing touchdowns and we have football to cheer about it, if not re- in person remotely. Well, you know, I, I just uh, pulled up the out-of-conference schedule for 2021 and 2022, and I'm already regretting my answer. Oh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a, like, 2019 Rice type uh, where where you're playing, like, four, three or four power conference teams? So 2022, we've got Houston Army, Texas, Texas Southern. That's that's manageable. Houston should oh. be... Like, if the millions of dollars they spent work, like, at least very good. Like, Army, who knows? Texas will be good. I, think I, haven't, seen, I haven't seen enough of Jeff Trailer to feel confident that he could outcoach Dana Holgerson. Dana Holgerson has been doing it for a, a good time. I right. feel like last year was the uh, aberration. But in general, he's going to field a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like in CUSA, if, you're, if your non-con has two winnable games on it, then you're doing pretty good, and if you yeah. if you you just got to go 500 in conference at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, in in 2022, we'll bring you back on. <laughs> Hold me to it. <laughs> I will pencil that in on my calendar. As last aside, before we we roll out, did y'all see that the uh, MLB dropped their 2021 season today, and uh, baseball fans were freaking out. When you say drop, you mean they showed the full schedule or yeah, they canceled I saw, I, the season? I, no, 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 no. The 2020 oh, okay. season already put out and that 60 game, you know, that's a that's for a different podcast. We can get into that. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but the 2021 schedule that they were releasing, uh, I saw some of that hit in Twitter today and baseball fans were talking about what scheduling, putting a schedule out a year in advance. And I'm like, what if I told you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oklahoma, I think, I think Georgia UTSA playing has a game scheduled for. I think UTSA has a game scheduled for like twenty twenty seven or something insane like oh, that. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Twenty. Oh, I'll give you. I'll give you this. Twenty twenty seven plus or minus uh, two. Over under the furthest game out on the Texas State schedule. I'll take the over. What yeah, do you I think, mean, Carter? Alabama has games scheduled out to like literally like twenty thirty three at this point. So like is out to uh, 2031. Oh, my gosh. You have a highly anticipated date with Texas State. (laughs) Uh, And maybe they announced maybe it was last year, the year before um, that game runs. It's it's scheduled from 2023 to 2031. I I vaguely remember this being announced. It was an eight year home and home deal. Yeah. And there's a big gap somewhere in there where the teams were booked up already. So it's it's like an eight year series over like eleven or twelve years or something like that. That's really funny. 
Now I have to look. Okay, I did know this. Uh, Carter, you have a guess at the uh, the uh, furthest game out for for Rice. Ah, uh, maybe like twenty twenty eight. Funny enough, there's no football game scheduled in twenty twenty eight for Rice non conference at least. Uh, what's the what's the farthest out? Farthest out is twenty thirty one. Oh, so okay. Of a home and home with Northwestern. Slightly okay. more exciting. Than <laughs> you guys, are, you guys are getting Boise in twenty twenty seven and twenty twenty nine. That's Ooh. exciting. Yeah, no, I'm okay. I'm so pumped. I'm going to Idaho in twenty. Yeah, you got to make that trip. Blue turf, like let's go. Ooh, there's gonna be a road one. game yeah. at BYU in twenty twenty three too. That's awesome. BYU, they just added Arkansas next year. Um, there should be some good ones. I think we go back to back to Death Valley at some point. Yeah, yeah. here it is, twenty twenty four. Which hey, that, I, got, I gotta make that trip. one. Oh, so good. You guys get uh, old friend Frank Wilson back in 2022 with Manise traveling to town. That's right. Ah. This is good. Well, we don't want to, uh, you know, you're, you're spoiling it for us, but we have to, uh, if the offseason continues, we're going to have to do an entire podcast on the 2024 to 2031 <laughs> non-conference <laughs> schedule. Oh, okay. Let's get the breakdowns ready. <laughs> I'll track down which uh, which alumni have kids that are Pop Warner standouts, and we'll just assume <laughs> yeah. that they're going to be three star recruits. And we got it covered. Funnel them in. I'll work oh, on man. my starting lineups for the uh, you know the 2025 <laughs> squad. <laughs> There's an 11 year old in my neighborhood that looks like he is going to have you know really pro ready size. So. <laughs> Got to check the grades, see how he's doing in, uh, you know, in language arts before I, I'll project he can get into Rice. <laughs> hey, we'll get there. I have no doubt. Well, uh, <laughs> Jared, thanks so much. For, uh, it's been a blast. Talking football, yeah. talking everything else. <laughs> we might hear, be here for some time. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tune back in for the, the Hamilton College football mashup that the people are waiting for. <laughs> I'll, I'll start composing now. <laughs> Great. All right. Uh, so, so thanks again for coming on. Uh, thanks to those of you who who stuck it out through the podcast with us. Those of you that have been following along through this uh, again, like likely to be very extended at this point off season. Uh, so we'll see y'all next week and uh, rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.